3: In the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty
1: Show. Since the Israel Hamas War started, Chris Ray says the terror threat is at a whole nother level, with a number of terror groups, including ISIS and Al Qaeda, using social media to call for attacks, including right here in the U.S. The DOJ also seeing a spike in threats against the Muslim community. And a stunning increase in threats aimed at Jewish Americans since October 7th. Ray is calling on Congress to renew a law that allows the FBI to conduct surveillance on suspected terrorists overseas. That law is set to expire at the end of the year. Ray says given the threats, now is not the time to let that happen.
0: FBI Director Ray saying he's never seen all lights blinking like this at once. And uh, is really worried about a terrorist attack or that sort of thing. Now, the other part of this is, and this is a real problem, and I don't know what to think about it. He testified all of this on the same day that he's begging Congress to renew the 702 authority. That's the name of the code or statute or whatever. Um, he, The FBI is wanting Congress to renew the 702 authority that they got after 9-11 to track down information, tap phones, look at communication, that sort of stuff on foreigners, which sometimes then brings in Americans, American citizens, to try to figure out if there's going to be a terrorist attack. We did that after 9-11. It was supposed to expire at the end of this year. You got a bunch of Democrats and Republicans. I mean, some of the heavyweight Democrats yesterday who are leaning against renewing this because they think the FBI has abused it. And hasn't been honest about their use of it, and plenty of Republicans saying that that they ha- that they are using this 702 authority. You know, okay, uh, somebody we don't like in the United States communicated with somebody in another country. Now we can claim we need to go after that person in another country, but we're really wanting to look at the person here in the United States, and that the FBI abuses that. Christopher Ray is saying, and he might be. All of this might be true at the same time. They might sure. be abusing it. And the lights are blinking like they've never been blinking before uh, for a terrorist attack. And the FBI does need this to make sure another terrorist attack doesn't happen. All these could be true at the same time, which is the problem.
4: So what do Americans think about this topic or people living in America? Why don't you poll the hundreds of Chinese nationals who've just walked across the border? uh, The hundreds of Somali nationals who've walked across the border? The hundreds of folks from other countries that are our sworn enemies, Syria, Iran, whatever, who've just walked across our border. Ask them whether they think there's a terrorist threat.
0: Yeah, so Christopher Ray said it would be uh, dangerous and irresponsible and reckless to not keep this 702 authority around so that they can stay a step ahead of foreign actors located out the outside the United States. But Senator Chris Coons, who's a Democrat... Delaware said he'd not yet made up his mind and asked if, Ray, if uh, if there could be a more narrow reform so it's not so easy for the FBI to abuse it. Marco Rubio, Republican, Mark Warner, Democrat, leaders of the Senate Intelligence Committee, proposed a bill that would prohibit database queries on U.S. citizens that are designed to find evidence of a crime without a court order. So it would also limit it. Dick, um, uh, Dick Durbin, another Democrat. Said that there is no question that 702 was a critical tool for correct for collecting intelligence, but he would encourage significant reforms. So I don't know. It seems like he got a lot of high ranking Democrats and Republicans who think this is just too much power for the FBI. Well, I, I'm encouraged by the last several things you said. It sounds like people
4: from both parties doing the hard work of balancing those two truths. Yeah, this is important in a dangerous time. And yeah, the FBI has a tendency to abuse the power it's given, as does the NSA and the CIA and all of our other spooks. That's why they've got to be, you know, watched so carefully.
0: Yeah. So I assume that these people on the various intelligence committees that get to see this stuff behind the scenes would tell us if it was bunk. But having the FBI came come out, guy come out and say, oh, no, this is the scariest time I've ever seen. So you need to renew my power to spy on people. You know, you got to be a little skeptical of that. Oh, 100%. At the same time, he would probably sit you down and say, listen, you children, this is the scariest time I've ever seen in my life. You have no idea what we're seeing every single day.
4: I believe that to be true. I think that's probably true also. Yeah,
0: yeah. In fact, I can practically guarantee it.
4: And... If you give extraordinary powers to government officials, they will abuse them.
0: Since we're this kind of show, I might as well quote Mike Lee, Utah Republican who said that during his 13 years on the committee, he'd pressed multiple FBI directors about civil liberties violations associated with this surveillance program and had been repeatedly given false reassurances about reforms. Every darn one of them has told me the same thing. Don't worry about it. We've got this taken care of. We've got new procedures. It's going to be different now. It's never different. You haven't changed. We have no reason to trust you because you haven't behaved in a manner that is trustworthy. Beautifully said.
4: I'm so reminded of the whole, uh, are there bad cops? Yes, of course there are. Therefore, we should defund the police. De-police. If we defunded the police, the cities would look just like the suburbs. I mean, you've got to be an effing moron to think that. Of course we need police, and of course we need to regulate police and call them to account. You know, I barely got started on the whole uh, standard-based grading thing last hour. I've been off more than I could chew in the time. I blame myself. But let me hit you with the idea and the reality of it. Okay. You know, we may have to come up with some sort of Thomas Sowell ding, because I refer to him frequently enough. He's, you know, for folks who are not familiar with the origin of the Hitler ding... It was suggested by some irresponsible co-hosts or members of the team that I referenced uh, the Chancellor of Germany too frequently in making arguments. And so in an effort to draw attention to that, it was decided again by irresponsible rubes that every time I mention Adolf Hitler, the ding should go off.
0: Behind the scenes, we thought since Joe mentioned Hitler four times a day, maybe if we had a bell go off all the time, he'd realize perhaps he overplays that card. The H-card,
4: if you the will. H-card. Well, that, again, is uh, unfair. It's injudicious, and I resent it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think of Thomas Sowell all the time. I just absolutely love him. Intellectual hero. Um, but this standards-based grace, grading thing is a perfect example of what he said about the 20th century. The, the history of the latter half of the 20th century is getting rid of what works in favor of what sounds good. So here's the A, B. Here's this uh, biology teacher in Dublin, California, which is going to uh, institute this uh, standards-based grading system, which is you don't get points for homework, you don't get points for participation, you don't get points for taking quizzes. Everybody learns differently and at different paces. As long as you master the stuff eventually, uh, that's fine. And, and I, on paper, that sounds good to me. Sounds good to virtually everybody. But again... Getting rid of what works in favor of what sounds good. So here's Cath, let's see, I scrolled up too far. Uh, Here's Catherine, the biology teacher at Dublin High School, who I I suspect is a good person. Um, She said that before COVID-19, she would have rejected equity grading. Quote, what I understand is that the pandemic fundamentally changed me. She told the school board, it changed us as kids struggled with remote learning. The old practices we cling to were born in a different era, under different circumstances. It's time to emphasize learning over effort. Prioritizing learning is exactly what equitable grading is. It recognizes the individual journey of every student. It acknowledges that we all learn differently at our own pace and in various ways.
0: Well, again, like you said last hour, that last part is obviously true uh, to anybody who has eyes. But what was that first phrase? We need to prioritize learning over effort. I don't understand what that would mean. Um, let's see. What did she say? I think we need to prioritize uh, learning. Now, how we get there, I'm, I'm fine that different kids do it different ways. but Right. Sure. Of course. Again,
4: that sounds great. But this is the difference between a liberal and a conservative or a progressive and a conservative. A, progressor, a progressive hears something that sounds good and critically makes them feel enlightened pitching it. And they love that program and never, ever stop to ask, does it work? Here's the reality. Cody is a different teacher. Uh, uh, a high school in Phoenix. The school system rolled out standards-based grading last year. At first, White uh, Cody uh, liked the sound of the plan, especially the part that emphasized students would get multiple chances to show what they know. "Quote: I agree that a student should have more than one chance. We all have busy, crazy lives, so things happen." Once the system was in place, though, the teacher said he quickly soured on it, seeing how his students responded. Ah, the idea versus what happens in the real world among humans. As a key part of the approach, which is sometimes called evidence-based grading, is that homework scores are not counted in the final grade for a class. Instead, like an athlete training for a big game, practice is seen as what it takes to get ready for the final match. And what happens on game day is what matters. Game day consists of tests that measure whether students have mastered the required material, like by the end of the class. For students, though, the takeaway was that homework no longer mattered at all. Of course,
0: that's what I would have thought (laughs) if you told me that.
4: If you don't grade it, the students won't do it. Every teacher has had students say, is this being graded? If not, they're not going to do it, or they're not going to do it as
0: well." well. It's like the classic question we all heard a million times in the classroom. Is this going to be on the test? Because if it's not, I'm ignoring you. (laughs) So his
4: approach before the change was to focus on project-based assignments, but he found less engagement for those with the grading changes. It's teaching to the test. The assessment is all that matters. Students will find that, and they'll game the system. Many students want to do as little as humanly possible. They want to skate by. He went on to say... That's
0: shocking to me. I I know.
4: (laughs) For those of us of a certain mindset, a a lot of us, this stuff is also obvious. The students mean, uh, I'm sorry, this means the students missed out on a positive side effect of a stressful homework assignment. Quote, completing homework and meeting deadlines are important life skills that should be fostered at school. There is utility in developing positive study habits and dependability among young people. He's since left the school system in part over frustration with the policy and now teaches overseas. you know what i think is lost in this it just occurred to me is they're talking about you know the it's not about homework it's not about quizzes it's not about assignments and participation it's about will they learn at the end it's about the end result well number one process matters it matters a lot secondly the end result of school is not the test in school the end result of school is that child growing up to become an active and valuable yeah. participant in our in our country. I, I've been yeah, I've the been having the test this. is are they ready for adulthood? And you're pretending that the test is the test. The homework, the participation, the effort, that's the education.
0: Yeah, I've been this is a very sore point for me because I've been having this conversation uh and I won't get specific on any of it but it is amazing how hard it has been for me to get through the point that I don't really care about a high school diploma unless they've learned something. <laughs> I'm being told that, that, you know, and we could get, and you graduate from high school, but, but will they have learned anything? Because I don't what? care about the graduating part. I care about the learning part. And it's amazing. I get a blank stare often. Like, I don't understand what you mean. They would have a diploma. But that, but. But if you don't know anything, it doesn't matter. It's it's difficult to,
4: to properly state how screwed up our education system is
0: from K through Ph.D. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's something. Anyway, got a debate tonight. How pointless is this? We got some new uh, polling that shows you how pointless the debate is. Watch it if you want. If that's what you enjoy, go ahead. Plus, Taylor
4: Swift, Times Person of the Year. (laughs) In-depth reporting coming up. I can't believe you said that.
0: It's on the way. Armstrong
3: and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver.
1: The Armstrong and Getty
0: Show. Well, it was just announced that uh, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, and Vivek Ramaswamy qualified for tomorrow night's fourth Republican presidential debate. And the debate will air on the CW Network and News Nation. So if you want to know how good a chance these candidates have, the debate is airing on the CW Network
1: and News Nation. At this point, watching these debates is like
0: watching a middle school play. It doesn't really matter. You just hope that they're having fun up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was a good joke. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. It was worth it. The juice was worth the squeeze for that last year. I hope they're just having fun up there because it's pointless. The debate tonight. And I'll have to figure oh, out a
4: lot of... sorry. Very brief breaking political news. Kevin McCarthy's done in the house. He's resigning.
0: Yeah, I saw that hint yesterday and turned out to be true today. Yeah. Um... He's, F y'all, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is an un Yeah. Well, most people don't ever want to go backwards. I get that. Uh, but uh he's also gonna go somewhere and get rich. You know, the way mm-hmm. the way it happens. But that's something. Had a brief period of uh speaker of the house, got run out for the dumbest of reasons, really. Um Although he angered a whole bunch of people behind the scenes. If he was yeah. if you're a jerk to enough people, it ain't you know, it's gonna come back to haunt you. And his penalty will be living a life of wealth and comfort with no worries. And power. Yes. And and new scrutiny, because he'll be out of public the public eye for the rest of his life. So that's his penalty. Correct. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to the debate, which is tonight. So, in theory, the debates were to... Uh, uh, these people were going to have an opportunity to go after the guy in first place. He didn't show up to the debates, Donald Trump. Uh, you know, is that a good move or a bad move? Will America say, no, we don't want somebody who's unwilling to defend themselves, blah, 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 blah. Can they take down Trump? What's the strategy of of uh, of uh, Asa Hutchinson and uh, some of the other no-names I can't even remember to try to bring down Trump? Well, anyway, here's the stat that most sticks out to me. Trump's lead in the national race on the day of the first debate? was 41 points. Heading into the fourth debate, he's up by 48 points. So he's increased his lead over the rest of the field seven points since they started having the debates. So if I'm Donald Trump, I'd say, have as many as you want. Have a few more if you can squeeze them in. Duh. How do you like that? So much for bringing down the guy at the front. I wish this were not true, but it is. This is an exercise in futility. (laughs) Clearly. I mean, he could have a heart attack, but other than that, he is going to be the nominee. Some university presidents refusing to answer the easiest question ever about Israel and Hamas. Stay tuned.
1: The Armstrong
3: and Getty
0: Show. We're going to get the clips for you because I was astounded watching some MSNBC this morning. Uh, The way they were blasting Congressperson Jayapal for her lack of willingness to just flat out answer the question. Or just state boldly, yes! Yes! It's a war crime and horrifying that Hamas raped Israeli women to death. Yes. And no. she had to, you know, with, well, yeah, but, and this, and you have to look at it this way. And, you know, a uh, long, yeah. complicated answer to that question and getting blasted on MSNBC, which I feel like is a sign of something. There's some reorganization of certainly the left going on. Oh, 100%. 100%. The progressive left has gotten so
4: insane, it's no longer possible to ignore it. We've gone from believe all women to it's fine to rape women if they're Jews.
0: And we're about to hear some of that on display. Um, We have been lectured by college campuses for years now about words are violence, let alone violence being violence, but words are violence. Silence is violence. Yeah, yeah. Just, Just keeping your mouth shut about some issues is violence. And uh, microaggressions being treated like they're, you know, being shot or something like that on college campuses. And then we found out after October 7th, oh, you only meant it for things that you agree with. Because anything that, uh, you know, rape of Jews or whatever, you're okay with that. Right, exactly. Because, you know, because occupation and colonialism and all that sort of stuff. What? All
4: right. They come at you with a moral argument. All they
0: want is power. So they got these various guidelines and codes on these college campuses, and we're talking about the most elite universities in the country here. And some of the presidents were on Capitol Hill yesterday in a uh, hearing, and this is Republican Representative Elise Stefanik in this particular case talking to the president of the University of Pennsylvania about whether or not some things recently being said on their college campus violates their own rules. Here's how it went.
5: Ms. McGill, at Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct, yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment, yes. I I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. It can be harassment, yes. Conduct meaning committing the act of genocide? The speech is not harassment? This is unacceptable, Ms. McGill. I'm gonna give you one more opportunity for the world to see your answer. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's code of conduct when it comes to bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be harassment. The answer is
0: yes. The fact that she wouldn't even throw a bone out there of immediately saying, oh, yes, in my opinion, it's abhorrent. Calling for genocide is abhorrent. Now, we have a code of conduct, and we believe in free speech and give wide latitude for people to say a lot of things, but she didn't even do that.
4: No. Nope. Wasn't willing to for some reason. I'll let you speculate uh, about the reason in your own mind. On a college campus where if you said Asian people seem to be really good at math, you would be pilloried. You would be dragged in front of a hearing. You would perhaps lose your your status as a student. You might get tossed out. If you ask a a, a black person about hair care because their hair is different than yours, that's a microaggression. You could be dragged in front of a DEI panel for that. But if you call for the extermination of the Jews, that's free speech. Jewish students are thinking, well, if you're going to kill all the Jews, here I am, I think you're probably going to start with me. But that's a subtlety that Ms. McGill can't comprehend.
0: Yeah, Tim Sanford retweeted this example. If right-wingers had called for the genocide of transgender students, what is the likelihood these presidents would have given this answer? Wow, great, great uh, example, Tim. Several seconds of silence, because you don't know how to answer the question, then, well, it depends on the context. How about wow. a, a march
4: and a rally in which speaker after speaker says that, I don't know, for instance, black people are a drag on America and a problem for America. And I believe that they should be wiped out. I mean, that that is a thought so abhorrent and horrific. I can barely make it come out of my mouth as an example. But that's what the precious little students are saying about the Jews and the presidents of the universities are saying, well, no, that's not harassment.
0: So, Harvard, we're about to hear from the Harvard president. Harvard's specific non-discrimination policy defines bullying as words or actions that humiliate, degrade, demean, intimidate, or threaten an individual.
4: Excellent. So, let's, hear the, okay. let's hear the president of Harvard live up to those principles. Uh, Michael, you know the clips, right?
5: And Dr. Gay, at Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. What's the context? Targeted as an individual. Targeted as, at an individual. It's targeted yeah. at Jewish students, Jewish individuals. Do you understand your testimony is dehumanizing them? Do you understand that dehumanization is part of anti-Semitism? I will ask you one more time. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment? Yes or no? Anti-Semitic rhetoric. When and is it anti rhetoric? anti rhetoric when it crosses into conduct that amounts to bullying, harassment, intimidation—that is actionable conduct, and we do take action. So the answer is yes. That calling for the genocide of Jews violates Harvard Code of Conduct. Correct. Again, it depends on the context. It does not depend on the context. The answer is yes, and this is why you should resign. These are unacceptable answers across the board.
0: Again, the actual policy is bullying is defined as words or actions that humiliate, degrade, demean, intimidate, or threaten an individual. So her parsing was... Well, calling for the genocide of Jews is not threatening an individual. Again, imagine if somebody said, "I want to exterminate the transgender community." Would you? Would you get away with saying, "Well, they weren't threatening an individual"? That was a a blanket statement about all transgenders, so it doesn't count.
4: Yeah, I don't think so. Never in a million years. And I'd kind of missed that subtlety that uh, Ms. Stefanik pointed out. And, and this is the logical conclusion, the insane logical conclusion of a lot of the, uh, the racialist attitudes of the neo-Marxist is that you can call for the genocide of Jews. But if you don't specifically say to one individual and you're a Jew and I'm going to kill you, that individual doesn't matter. Because, of course, every race, every ethnicity, every, every religion has inborn characteristics. We know that. Every white person is an evil white supremacist. And so it's the logical conclusion of that. There, if you just say Jews, you're talking about Jews. You're not talking about an individual. We don't look at individuals. Just but, colors. But
0: so as long as you're not pointing at Ezekiel, it doesn't count? Right, you specifically. I want to kill you first. That's correct. So, my maybe I am being too charitable to these university presidents because I find it hard to believe that they feel that way. I am, I am going with they're doing this because they're afraid of their own students. They feel they serve at the behest of their, of their radical students, and they'll get run out of office if they don't answer these questions this way. Or do you think they actually they actually don't mind people calling for the genocide of the Jews? I think at best they're
4: torn. They've realized the horror of the little monsters they've created, but I'll bet they're true believers.
0: That's crazy.
4: That's what I would guess. I think they're espousing evil, which makes them evil people. Evil exists. It's one of the great failings I think sometimes of, of America is we we think everybody is nice or wants to be nice or is just misguided. They're evil. Anyway, a word from our friends at MyPillow. They're asking you to try out their new, two new lines of MyTowels. What makes these towels great is they are absorbent, they're soft,
0: and they work. Why do they work? Because of 100% long staple Sherpa cotton, of course. This comb ring-spun cotton is what makes these towels absorbent and softer than ever. And now you can get a six-piece set for an amazing introductory sales price. Sale price of as low as $29.98 with the promo code
4: GETTY. You can get the designer premium line for just 20 bucks more. And no matter which one is right for you and your family, that's 50% in savings. These towels are absorbent and soft and wonderful. To find this offer, just go to mypillow.com, click on the radio listener special square, check out the new My Towel six piece towel sets. That's right, six piece sets. For twenty nine ninety eight and forty-nine 50% savings. Remember, enter that pro- code Getty at MyPillow.com. Look for the radio listener special square and remember that code Getty. Happy toweling. Now back to the horror and outrage.
0: Well, let me read more from their actual policy, because there's actually more than what I said that's pretty interesting. This is their actual policy. Definition of bullying uh, is used as this is from their paperwork. You probably have to sign to work there. Bullying, used as shorthand for hostile and abusive behavior or power-based harassment, is defined here as harmful interpersonal aggression by words or actions that humiliate, degrade, demean, intimidate, or threaten an individual or individuals. For a violation of the policy to occur, such aggression must be sufficiently severe or pervasive and objectively offensive that it creates a work, educational, or living environment that a reasonable person would consider intimidating, hostile, or abusive. Ding, 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 ding. I mean, it's not even
4: close, is it? Yeah, you know what I think? The the wriggle out for them was that if I say in a classroom one time, uh, I believe the genocide of the Jews would be appropriate. That's protected, allegedly. Although all those other examples of things you could say, you would be hauled before their disciplinary committee and and kicked out of Harvard for saying them even once. What Ms. Stefanik didn't point out, or at least I haven't heard her on tape pointing out, is it is, what were the words, persistent and and, uh, repetitive, because they're having these rallies and marches and chants all the damn time. So don't hide behind if somebody utters the words once in a a seminar, because that's what those university women were trying to do. But it's it's already met your definition. What Ms. Stefanik is asking about is those things. Worth pointing out also, Bill Ackman, who's a uh, a Jewish American Harvard grad, eminent investor and financier, is uh, he's he's the lead guy in calling out Harvard for these outrages and getting people to cancel donations and that sort of thing. And he wrote a couple of interesting points about this. It depends on the context and whether the speech turns into conduct, that is actually killing Jews. This could be the most extraordinary testimony ever elicited in the Congress, and certainly on the topic of genocide, which, to remind us all, is, quote, the deliberate killing of a large number of people from a particular nation or ethnic group with the aim of destroying that nation or group. The president's answers reflect the profound educational, moral, and ethical failures that pervade certain of our elite educational institutions, due in large part to their failed leadership.
0: Yeah, that part about the, not only uh, crosses the line if they actually take the action, so if they actually start to commit a genocide, you would uh, frown upon that. Well, that's good to know.
4: We'll have a disciplinary hearing, yes. Now, I noticed you killed 50 Jewish students we are going to have to ask you to come to the dean's office. Wow. We
0: have a problem, friends. So crazy. And again, like, like I said earlier, I can't believe that they didn't answer the question just to get them off their back, just to make their lives easier. Just so you know, nobody here about this. This won't get outside this room, really, if I just say, oh, yeah, that's uh, that's horrifying and uh, violates our palsy and we're going to crack down on it. And then you're done and you go home and you probably wouldn't even make the news. Mm-hmm. But they they were willing to take all this heat rather than, say out loud, that crosses their line.
4: They were willing to take the heat to defend their little monster's right to call for the
0: genocide of the Jews. Although, Michael, this is a, go ahead. Although you made the point, and this is absolutely true, unless you watch Fox, read the New York Post, or listen to AM Talk Radio, you don't know this happened anyway. So how much damage was done? For them. Yeah, it disappeared. It disappeared
4: in the mainstream media. Uh, Final point very quickly, and this is a direct historical comparison, Michael no Hitler ding. One of the reasons uh, Hitler was successful in gaining power was that uh, most of Germany didn't take him seriously from, you know, just normal German people to some of the captains of industry and the leaders in politics, they said, oh, my God, this guy's got a lot of followers or doing a lot of yelling and stuff, a lot of energy. But, I mean, his his philosophy is idiotic. He hardly makes any sense. I mean, this the, 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 we don't have to worry about him. It won't get anywhere. That's often under-discussed in the story of the Third Reich. People didn't take him seriously. End of screen.
0: More on the way. Stay here.
3: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: I personally don't think he makes it. Okay? I haven't said that. I'm saving it for this big town hall. I'd never really I personally don't think he makes it. I think he's in bad shape
4: physically. Do you remember when he said, I'd like to take him behind the barn? If he took me behind the barn and I went like this, (laughs) I
0: believe he'd fall over. I believe he'd fall over. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, some people some people talk about Trump has loss of step two getting older, and you know I'm sure that's true. But he's, he's Joe Biden is nowhere within a a million miles of Trump's ability to to get a line off at this point.
4: Absolutely, yeah, true. Uh, interesting that Trump's main theme there was that he doesn't think Joe Biden can make it to the election, um, and he said he's going to go hard on that at, at some town hall, but. Um, Joe Biden, and this was like earthquake political news yesterday. I I just forgot or we would have gotten to it previously. Uh, Biden behind closed doors at a big fundraiser said, if Trump wasn't running, I'm not sure I would run. But we've got to beat him. So he's more or less acknowledging what is plainly true. He's
0: just not up to the job.
4: What other incumbent president has ever breathed anything like that? LBJ, I suppose.
0: Uh, yeah, good point, um, but I thought it was a weird thing to say anyway, so what's this weird belief you have that you're the best person to beat Trump? Well, that's the kind of the mainstream Democrat view. I don't know, um, I feel like, well, maybe of the, I don't know, but of the, like, more um, uh, even-handed pundits, I know, everybody feels like the only person that could lose to Biden is Trump, and the only person that could lose to Trump is Biden. I would agree. Yeah, um, I think Biden's a terrible candidate,
4: um, but that's again, that's not the conventional wisdom. Um, uh, but that's that's an extraordinary thing to say. I also think it's an example of the fact that his uh, he's got uh, old man lack of filter disease.
0: There's no way you should say that um, publicly. Well, he st- he hasn't caught on to the fa- fact that. This isn't 1978, and you can't go into closed rooms and say whatever you want, and it doesn't get out of the room anymore.
4: Which is further proof of what I'm saying, and further proof of what Biden was saying. Yeah. You're just not up to the job anymore, Joe,
0: and he knows it. By the way, Trump's got the biggest lead he's ever had over any opponent, Hillary or Biden, in three times of running for president. In fact, he never had a lead, ever, again, in in previous runs, but now he's got the biggest lead ever. So, there you go. Um... Mm. Big sports story. So there's a chance that this baseball player, Shohei Itani, becomes the highest paid athlete in the world. In fact, it's almost certainly going to happen. He's going to make like $600 million or something like that with some team. Well, it ain't going to be the Dodgers, quite possibly, because of this. So they're one of the few teams that actually could afford to have him. Manager Dave Roberts, for some reason, was asked by the press the other day, Uh, You met with Shohei Ohtani. How did it go? And he said, well, I'd like to be honest. So we met with Shohei and we talked and I think it went well. And just like that, writes the LA Times, uh, LA might be out of the running because Shohei Ohtani's agent said, if anybody leaks out anything about any talks, we will not go play for them. Oh, wow. That's how Nike missed out on Steph Curry was that sort of thing. (laughs) Just don't be messing with us. Wow, so
4: saying, we got together and it was great. This is too much. Well, if that's the
0: guidelines, that's the guidelines. (laughs) Right, won't that be something if they missed out on him because of that? Wow.
3: Armstrong and Getty.
2: I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world.
2: We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosen,
1: And I'm David Gurra. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick